Romans chapter 8 tells us that uh, we can live freedom in freedom uh, because of the Spirit of God who resides within us, who has given us life. That uh, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Uh, that Jesus has uh, released me from the guilt and the condemnation of sin, and now I am free to live fearlessly, no longer held under the bondage of the flesh that leads to death, but now living in the Spirit, uh, which has set me free so that I might live fully satisfied in the presence of God. But as we celebrate the life we have in Christ, Paul, in verse 17 of chapter 8, we looked last week, he talked about the sufferings of Christ. And now in verse 18, our passage this morning, The Apostle Paul says, For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Uh, Paul takes this issue of suffering and he then spends some time on it, and that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about suffering. And we're going to talk about our suffering. We're going to talk about the suffering that you and I go through. And, and not so that we can uh, just wallow in our own struggle. And, and this is something that's going to be important for us. See, many of us, we've, we've adopted the mindset of a complaining, whining Christian where really what we do is we've got a splinter in our toes so we complain about it for three months. And we've got something bad that's happened or come our way and we just complain and whine. We curl up in a fetal position and we act like the world has fallen to pieces and we're just at the bottom of the heap. You see, there is a mindset out there that uh, we either are running from something or screaming at something, but we're never really victorious over whatever those somethings are. But that's not a person who has set their mind on the things of the Spirit. See, a person who sets their mind on the things of the Spirit, we have a clear understanding of our reality. We have a clear picture of our problem. But we who are in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells within you, we who are in the Spirit, we understand that there is a, uh, uh, a power available to us that can overwhelm even the greatest drama, uh, struggle, difficulty, and suffering that we face. Today, we're going to talk about suffering, but we're going to talk about it through the lens of hope. And it's my hope today that through uh, God's Word, you and I might receive a vision of hope in the midst of our suffering. As we look in verses 18 through 30, I I want us to get the big picture of this passage. The big picture of this passage is that God gives us a vision for our present through the hope, through hope in his future. God gives us a vision for our here and now, not based upon what we can do or how well we navigate, but based upon 
the future that God himself has mapped for us. See, some of us, we're big about mapping our own future or the future of other people, but what we fail to do is we fail to live within the framework of the future that God has mapped for us. We resist God's future, and so when we enter in what we consider suffering, we act like the world's falling apart because control is now taken out of our hands. Our framework for our future is demolished because of this has happened or that has happened. But what Paul does is he says, instead of living according to a future that you map out for yourself, let's live in the hope of God's future for us. Understanding that that is the best place for us to be. See, all of us have an idea of the way we want life to be, don't you? Don't you have a, way, a view of the way life should be, the way you want life to be? I know you do because you've told me about it. Some of you several times. We all have an idea of the way we want our life to be, but can I tell you that as a follower of Jesus Christ, it matters not so much the way we want our life to be. It matters greatly the way God wants our life to be. This message today is not going to be a lot of fun for any of us. I'll try to have fun while I share it, and I'll try to make you giggle a little bit at different times, but just understand, this is going to be bare bones. You see, all of us need to be so saturated with the Spirit of God that we stop viewing our life through the lens of the way we want it to be, and we start viewing life through the lens of the way God has planned and mapped for it to be. And friends, just because you think you know the way you want your life doesn't mean that that's exactly the way God wants your life. See, just because I have this idea of the way I want things to happen or be or, or, or whatever, yeah, the truth is that, that's not necessarily the way God wants it. And this truth comes out most clearly in the midst of our suffering. Now, when we talk about suffering, we're looking at suffering at different scales. And Paul says, I consider my present suffering or the, 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 the suffering of this present age. When, when Paul talks about suffering, he's coming at it from a different angle that you and I come at it. See, you and I come at suffering through the lens of, of, of what we're dealing with. But we just sang about it a few minutes ago. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul was going through suffering that none of us here have faced. He had been beaten whipped, put in chains, and stuck in a prison cell along with his friend Silas. And they were stuck there suffering because they dared to proclaim Jesus Christ is the only way to hope in life. That's suffering. But most of us, all of us, probably in this room, we haven't gone to that level five kind of suffering. Most of us have experienced different levels of suffering, and, and, and it may be level one. I, I consider level one suffering, and as somebody ridicules me for being a follower of Jesus, or people don't like me because I'm a follower of Jesus, or people don't understand me, or confused by me because I'm a follower of Jesus, or, or people think bad thoughts about me because I, I elevate what God wants in my life more than I elevate what you want in my life, and, and, and people get confused by that, get upset by that. And, and, and so, so they, they may say ugly things about you. They may talk. Uh, that, that's a splinter in your toe. 
And, and that's, that's really the kind of persecution, suffering that most of us have had as followers of Jesus. That's one level of suffering, different aspects of suffering. Some of us suffer physically. Some of us suffer emotionally. Uh, we have other forms of suffering economically. Those are suffering, but you know, most of the suffering that we endure, it's, it, it's a splinter in the toe. You've had splinters in your fingers or toes before, haven't you? I mean, it's painful. I, I don't like it. In fact, I, 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 we, we used to, uh, when I was a kid, we lived in a house that had wood floors that needed to be refinished. It was a parsonage. My dad was a pastor. It was a place where they put pastors to live. And praise God, we don't have many of those left in the world today. But anyway, this, this, uh, this parsonage, uh, the floors were wooden, needed to be refinished. It was, a couple of, it was 100 years old, the house was. It felt older than that. But um, anyway, so uh, I, as a young boy, I'd run along the floors just like anybody else would and get a splinter in my foot. Now, that, that's a painful thing. I don't, I'm not, man, I'm not, I am not saying that a splinter is, not, is, is, is easy. A splinter's tough. In fact, a splinter in your foot, if you don't get that splinter out, it, it distracts you for the rest of the day. It, it, it causes a, a great pain. It, it becomes a, a, a focus in your head. I, I've got to get that. I can't walk. My, I, you start walking with a limp, and then you remember it's the other foot. And then you walk. But you're in pain. And it's just a little sliver of wood in your foot. And here's the problem. We, we, it may just be a little splinter of wood, but it's a big deal to me. So I'm not trying to say that level one suffering is no big deal. I'm just saying that it's not level five. And Paul was addressing really level five suffering. He was addressing Roman believers who were experiencing persecution. Some of them had lost their jobs. Some of them had lost their families. Some of them perhaps were, were, were fearful they were going to lose their lives. And Paul was talking about the suffering that they endured. So he's talking about level five suffering, suffering that most of us have never even thought about. It's the suffering that Christians who are facing ISIS in, in, in uh, Syria, those, those Christians who will be beheaded unless they recant their faith in Jesus Christ by ISIS. That, that's suffering. That's level five. And we don't face that. So if Paul's giving counsel to people facing level five suffering, certainly the counsel he gives them is going to help us when we're dealing with level one or two or three. And the big picture that Paul says is, look, you've got to get your head right. Oh, friends, as followers of Jesus, we've got to get our heads right. We need to stop looking at ourselves as the center of the universe and our moments as the eternity of time. Listen to that. We need to stop looking at ourselves as the center of the universe and our right now moment as an eternity of time. And we need to start looking at what God has and what God is doing and what God has planned and the future that he has mapped. We need to see this moment through the lens of God's future. Paul says, I consider this present time doesn't even begin to compare with the glory that God has prepared. The glory that, 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 that what God is making us to be. And we'll get to that in verse 30. But, but what God is making us to be. 
So how do we get our heads on straight? How do we have this vision uh, for our present, whether it's a present filled with level five pain or level one pain, how do we get our vision on our present through the hope that we have in God's future? Can I ask you a question? Do you think God is good? You, you do? You think God is good? Do you think God is great? Do you think he's in control? Okay, now I want you to hold on to that for a second. You think that God is good. You think that God is great. And you think that God is in control. So why do you look at your suffering as if God were absent or weak or not very good? You know, my dad used to spank me. He probably still would if he could. <laughs> my dad used to spank me. And, and man, I'm telling you, deserved it. Even more than that, I'm kind of thankful for it. He, he, he told me at least once, this hurts me more than it hurts you. That's just the most inane thing I've ever heard. <laughs> After all, I'm taking the blows, he's just holding the belt. How can it hurt him more than it hurts me? As a dad, I understand it a little bit better. It hurt his heart because he loved me to discipline me. That hurts. It's not easy. But he did it for my good. And again, that, that's something that's hard to understand when you're at a certain age and you're getting, you're getting whipped and uh, disciplined. I've got to use politically correct terms, I'm sure. Get, get, I'm too old for child protective service to come after me, uh, or my dad. But, but yeah, I mean, he, he would uh, discipline, me, discipline me with a board or a belt or a switch. And... And he did it for my good. It hurt him. He, 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 he grieved, but he did it for my good. Now, can I tell you something? He probably could have done it a little bit more. I probably needed it a little bit more. But as I'm receiving the discipline from God, and I'm, I, as I'm experiencing the pain of that discipline, never once should I doubt that God loves me. Why? Well, think about my dad. I always knew he loved me. As he disciplined me, never once did I think, boy, he doesn't like me very much. I consistently knew my dad loves me. He cares for me. He'd do anything for me. When we go through suffering, it's not necessarily discipline from the hand of God, but it certainly is painful. And we might think, well, I'm going through this suffering. Well, where's God in this moment? God is working his good in your life as you endure suffering. I want you to listen to that. God is working his good in your life as you endure suffering. 
In verses 19 through 22, don't have time to read it. Verses 19 through 22, the Apostle Paul begins, by, uh, begins this, this perspective of God giving us a vision for our present through a, a hope for his future in our life. And, 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 and creation is looking forward to a day. And then verse 23, he says, and we as followers of Christ, we're looking forward to a day. What Paul's trying to do is he's trying to help us see that faith looks forward with confident expectation, verses 24 and 25, with hope. And so as we look at this, Paul, uh, verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are unworthy to be compared to the future glory that God is giving us. All right. So, so when Paul says, I consider, it's a Greek term, logizomai, that literally in this context means that God, that, that Paul took time and he thought through this whole issue of suffering in his own life. And as he thought through this, this issue of suffering in his own life, God awakened a perspective in him built by faith in God's goodness, his greatness, and God being in control. And Paul then said, okay, I'm, I, I, I'm, I believe that God loves me, is, is faithful, is great, is sovereign, and he's in control. So this suffering that I'm enduring must have a purpose that's more than just my pain. Friends, the suffering that you are enduring today has a purpose greater than just your pain. And faith looks forward beyond our pain with confident expectation to the future that God is doing. If you're ever in athletics, if you ever uh, played a sport, uh, if you ran cross country or track, or if you played football, or even if you did dancing and, 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 and watching my girls dance, it is a sport. No, I really never believed that. I'm just saying, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I tried to say it with a straight face. Anyway, but, but there's training and there's pain and there's, there's endurance. And if you have to do all those little... All those business things in, in, and then this tapping business and... You got to do it over and over and over and over again till your legs get tired, until you don't know if you can do it again. But you have to get up and you have to do it some more. Why? Because you are training for the performance. You're training for the, for the, for the competition. If you're a runner, you're running and running and running and running mile after mile after mile, sprint after sprint after sprint. And, and, and you, you, you can't get up anymore. You can't run anymore, but you still have to get up and endure the pain and keep on running and running and running. Why? Because you are running Monday through Friday. Friday for the competition on Saturday and you want to make a good show and what what we begin to see is that that we're going through this suffering but this suffering has a purpose that's greater than our pain that purpose is this future that God has in store for us and we need to begin to look at our present pain through the lens of this future Creation is groaning right now. 
Again, verses 19 through 22, creation is looking forward to to being released. You see, what happened to creation is made in resplendent glory. In absolute perfection, God called it good at the very beginning of time. But when sin entered the world, creation was cracked. Creation, uh, I'm talking about uh, the earthquakes as well as the nature of humanity, cracked, broken, diseased, decaying. And creation itself, everything with the fingerprint of God's creative work is looking for that day when God makes all things right. And that day is when Jesus returns and gives us a new heaven and a new earth. And that's when Jesus removes all the suffering and the pain and the sorrow that that we're enduring right now. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more suffering. For in that day, God will make all things things new that's in our future and creation the rocks and the trees and the mountains and the and the hills they're looking for that that future they know it's coming they have faith that God is working it and in the same way you and I should look toward our future in that way look look verses 23 um, uh, through 25 Paul writes Not only that, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. This is, and we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Uh, For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So, So what we're saying is, as a follower of Jesus, we're looking for that day when we are made perfect in him, in Christ. We're looking for that day when, when, when sin no longer has any sway over us. We're looking for that day when we're made whole, when I'm not limping along in the, in the temptations and the enticements that, that drag me away to sin again. I'm not, I'm not limping along in that anymore. That's done. That's gone. That's, that's vanished. Why? Because I, I am in that glorified state with Jesus. I'm longing for that day when the lion will lay down with the lamb and creation is made whole again. I'm looking for that day when when I am, am walking in absolute unity with God the Father, but also with you all. I'm looking for that day when there's no more diseased relationships because we're walking hand in hand with the Spirit of God in unity together as one. I'm looking for that day. And faith sees that day. And that's, that's the future. It's not here, but it's coming. And I need to live today in the present pain, looking at my present pain as something that is going to help me get to that future. Pain is good in the hands of the Father. It becomes bricks and mortar to make us more like Jesus. Today, we need to look at our present through the lens of our future, God's future for us. But honestly, it's hard, isn't it? I mean, uh, you have a splinter in your foot. It's hard to think about my future. You just want to chop off your toe. 
And that's where the Spirit of God comes in. Look at verses 26 and 27. Verse 26 and 27, Paul writes, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. See, we need to have this vision, this idea, this this perspective, this faith that looks forward with confident expectation. But sometimes the pain in our toe is too great. The the level one suffering is just too consuming. We we can't get out of that cocoon kind of kind of crybaby-ish kind of and, and I don't mean that in an ugly way because I've been there as well, but but we, we we're just so consumed with ourselves we can't see beyond. We're in such pain, we're in such hurt. We're grieving, we're, we're devastated, we're depressed. It's in that moment that the Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. Get that picture. For the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For there are seasons when we don't even know what to talk to God about as we ought to. But the Spirit of God makes groanings for us intercedes for us see the spirit of god picks up our slack when i'm struggling to get the right kind of perspective in my present it's the spirit of god that begins to race in now now this is me walking and living in 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 submission to the spirit of god this is me living in the freedom that the spirit of life has given me it's it's me rejecting the mindset of the flesh and embracing the mindset of the spirit it's it's where i have allowed the spirit to rule my life to lead my every day to determine how i should uh, respond and react and 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 to to, to really navigate even my emotions and not just my will. It's, it's the Spirit of God ruling my life so that the fruit of the Spirit become the predominant. By the way, if you say you're being led by the Spirit, do you know that you're also supposed to be producing the fruit of the Spirit? And if you're not producing the fruit of the Spirit, make no mistake, you're not being led by the Spirit. And the Spirit of God leading me produces the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. And these are aspects and qualities in my life, especially my relationships. And so as I'm walking along this life in the spirit, I'm yielded to the spirit and then bam, I have suffering that hits me and I don't know how to handle it. Do you ever face that? I'm trying to walk with God. I'm trying to do what God wants and bam, this suffering hits and I want it to go away. I don't want to endure it. I don't want to go through it. I just want it to disappear, but I I can't, I can't navigate it. I can't make it go away. I don't even know what to do. I don't even know how to talk to God about it. And the spirit of God pulses through me, awakens me to the vision that God has for me. It's the Spirit of God who tenderly takes me along moment by moment in the midst of my suffering. And he says, now, Eric, I've got this. I've got you. It's okay. It's the Spirit of God speaking to me. Say, oh, Eric, I I know it's hard, but listen, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm here I'm walking with you, Spirit of God speaking to me, but not only speaking to me, but speaking also to Jesus Christ, my advocate in heaven. And so in that moment, the Spirit is speaking to Jesus and Jesus is speaking to the Spirit on my behalf and speaking to the Father on my behalf. So the Spirit says, Jesus, listen, here's Eric. You see his struggle. 
And, this, and Jesus says, okay, we've got this. And, and the whole Trinity begins to work together for my good in that moment to strengthen me and encourage me and to, and to pick me up. And that's just the first hour of a Monday. We live defeated lives because we are not going through this dependence on the Spirit of God to pick up our slack. Today, the Spirit of God is making groanings for you. And Jesus, man, he's he's moving his hand for you. Because we believe that God is good. We believe that God is great, and we believe that God is in control. And he wants to help us in our weaknesses. So that God takes our sufferings and through the struggle makes us more and more and more like Jesus Christ. See, this is the goal. This this is where we're headed. That God takes the present pain and uses it to make us more like Jesus. Now, verse 8, 28, one we quote all the time. You've heard me quote it. Uh, But when we quote it, sometimes we forget what it's about. We like it because it's a great promise for, uh, for, for, uh, uh, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who are the called according to part to those who love God and who are the called according to the, his purpose. You know, we, we, all things work together for the good. All things work together for the good. I love that, don't you? So how does that square with my suffering? See, the context of, of verse 28 is, is not just me feeling good, it, it's me suffering. Read on, verse 29. For, uh, for, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he called, whom he called, these he justified, whom he justified, these he glorified. God truly is in control. God truly does have a plan. And it certainly is for our good. But for our good is defined by being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. For our good is not me sitting and getting everything I want. For our good is not me sitting in my room feeling happy, happy, happy. For our good is not me getting my way. For our good is not even me feeling comfortable. For our good is me being more, made more and more like Jesus. God uses all things, even the suffering things, to make me more like Jesus Christ. He's doing that work in your life today. So when you see your suffering, see it through the lens of what God is working in you. He's making you more like Jesus. You want to know what part of our problem is? We're stuck at the Garden of Gethsemane. We never get out of it. The Garden of Gethsemane is that place where Jesus went to pray and, 
It, it was just before they came to arrest him. And, and in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed and he said, Father, I don't want to do this. You remember? Father, I don't want to do this. And then the Spirit of God picked up the slack, encouraged and empowered Jesus. And Jesus said, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you be done. You want. That's what I'll do. For many of us here today, we're stuck in our suffering. And we never get beyond the first phrase. God, I don't want to do this. We never get beyond that, God, I don't want to go through this. We never get to the nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. Guys, today, if we're going to live victoriously, as the Spirit of God resides within us, we need to see our suffering through the lens of what God is making us to be. He's making us to be more like Jesus. So what do we do with this? Well, if we're going to love God, then we need to trust Him. If you believe God to be good, and you believe God to be great, and you believe God to be in control, then stop trying to dictate to God how He's supposed to be doing things and just trust Him. I get an amen on that? Just thought I'd ask in case case you didn't really want to give that. If God is good and God is great and he's really in control, trust him. Stop trying to force him to do what you want. See, if suffering, one of the byproducts of suffering is that it leads us, it should lead us, to a deeper dependence upon God. Today, trust Him. Let Him have His way. Surrender to Him. That's a demonstration of loving Him. The second thing I encourage you to do is to love others by having compassion on them. Can I tell you, and and man, I'm learning this, and compassion's a tricky thing. Anytime I talk about compassion, immediately your mind starts thinking about the people around you that need to have more compassion. Think about it. You're, you're immediately thinking, well, you know, if he had had more compassion or if she had had more compassion, that's right, preacher, preach to them. That's good. And the truth is, we need to have more compassion. I need to have more compassion. See, there are people that are fighting battles that you and I don't know anything about. They're suffering. They're in pain. Whenever I had a splinter in my finger, in my toe, any kind of thing like that you know it made me a little bit irritable I'm usually a very happy 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 kind of guy but a splinter made me a little bit mean a little bit cantankerous a little bit ornery you know there are people that you meet today and they are cantankerous and they're ornery just a little mean instead of getting in a fight with them maybe Try having compassion for them. One of the things I've learned in my years as pastoring and in ministry is this. Some of the meanest people in the church are the people that are hurting the most. And they need compassion. 
So let's have compassion. Even for the ones, especially for the ones that seem to be a little bit more hateful than others. Have compassion. You know, there are people that are facing battles you don't know anything you know. Just don't know anything about it. It could be a person sitting next to you going through it. I mean through it. Level 10 kind of suffering. And you don't know anything about it. Have compassion. The last thing. Live the mission by following the Spirit's lead. Just as we did last week, I want to encourage you, just follow the Spirit's lead. You know what happened to Paul and Silas? Acts chapter 16. They're thrown in prison. They've been beaten. And they start praising Jesus. They just trust in God all to pieces. And, and, and they start singing praise to God. And, and the Spirit of God shows up and, and, and unleashes his power in that place in the whole jail rattles and rolls and the and the and the 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 bars come apart and the chains are are loosed and and the 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 prisoner guard he comes in and and he sees that all this has happened and he gets real nervous about to kill himself but paul and Saul say stop following the spirit's lead they lead that guard to faith in jesus christ in his old house whole household you know you're going through your suffering But if you're going through your suffering with a vision for your present that's determined by your hope for tomorrow that God's doing, if you're going through your present pain seeing that God is making you more like Jesus, then you are more likely to see where the Spirit's leading. To follow the Spirit's lead, you take advantage of the opportunity to tell someone else about Jesus. Love God, trust him, love others, have compassion, and live the mission. Follow the Spirit's lead. Would you bow your heads, please? You know, today, it's my prayer for each of us, not that you like the sermon and not that you like the songs. My prayer for all of us today is that we are so saturated by the presence of the Spirit of God that we just can't breathe that the Spirit of God is changing the way we see ourselves, the way we see others, the way we see our circumstances. Man, my prayer is that the Spirit of God would so saturate this place that none of us are the the same. So in these next few moments, I, I don't know what you need to do. Maybe you need to come to this altar and you need to pray. Maybe you need to start crying out to the Father about the struggle and the suffering that's going on in your world. Let the Spirit of God intercede. Maybe you need to come to one of the pastors, one of the ministers here at the front. You need to come to them, and, and, and you're, you need for them to pray over you or pray with you. You come, we'll pray with you. Maybe you just need to sit where you are and think. Let the Spirit of God speak. Or maybe you need to stand and sing your praise. I don't know what God wants you to do, but friends, be led by the Spirit and do exactly what He wants. So God, we belong to You. We're Yours. Do Your work of grace and power in our midst. 
Have your way right now. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.